Welcome to the Lost Gardens of Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. I'm Alistair Moore, Head of Gardens and Estate, and each month we'll be revealing the inner workings of Heligan in all its glory, from soil to seeds, bulbs to bees, past, present and future, all from right here in the Lost Gardens of Heligan on the Cornish coast. Today is the 23rd of September, not a hugely auspicious date in many ways, but today is the autumn equinox, that most well-balanced of days uh, where night and day are of equal length, just before the day shrinks steadily to the solstice and the very darkest day. I'm sitting outside the steward's house. The breeze is rustling the sycamores and the ash trees above me and the sunlight is just catching the huge old Pinus radiata, the Monterey pine, that stands on the old hedge line that follows the drive down into the valley. We have got a wonderful podcast, I think, on the podcast today, and it's all in one day. It's all an autumn equinox special. We have lots of wonderful things going on. I shall be chatting with people making cider. So the autumn equinox really marks change. It is the point of change in the year or one of them. And the changes we'll be looking at today are about, in some ways, the preparation for winter. So we'll be meeting Nat from Heligan Kitchen, as well as Ollie and Tess from Gillyflower Farm and talking about pickles and chutneys and all sorts of things. We'll be looking at what's been happening on the flower field on Valentine's. And we'll be meeting Lindsay from the Sensory Trust and John Marchant from John Marchant Galleries, who represents Jamie Reed, And we'll be chatting with Anna and Keith and Carolyn Tricky about heavy horses. And we'll have the merest sensation of Martin from Productive collecting wonderful cider apples. I hope you'll enjoy it. So I find myself now in a hidden portion of... Heligan Kitchen. Almost not quite the Holy of Holies, but a pretty special place, which is the veg shed. And I am surrounded by all manner of delicious things and, of course, delicious people, too. I'm here with Nat, Tess, and Oliver, and I'm going to ask them in turn to introduce themselves and say a little bit about what they do. Hello, Nat. Hi. Um, so I'm Nat. I'm the hospitality manager and development chef for the Lost Gardens of Heligan. And my job is not only to run outlets here, but to look at what we do with produce and come up with weird and wonderful things to do with stuff. Wonderful. Tess, hello. Hello. So, yeah, I'm Tess. I'm actually from Gillyflower Farm over in Lost Withiel. We're over here today because we've brought some of the produce that we grow in the potager garden there. And Tess... Am I right in thinking the potager garden is your particular area of delight? Yep, so, yeah, my specialty is growing veg, and like Nat said, we're trying to grow kind of weird and wonderful stuff for her to make some lovely, tasty chutneys with. 
Beautiful. And hello, Oliver. Hello there. I am Oliver. I look after the fruits and the vegetable side over at uh, Gillyflower Farm. Uh, and I take great enjoyment in, in doing so. Uh, this is the first year that we've had a, a nice crop of uh, vegetables from the Pottager Garden. So we're over here today to speak with Nat just to find out what, what, what we could do with uh, some of the crops and sort of what sort of value-added products we might be able to make just from year one crops. Beautiful. And, well, Oliver, if we start with you, you've got some interesting little objet in some delightful brown paper bags. They look like mini lanterns. What am I looking at here, Oliver? Uh, so, yeah, they, they do look like mini lanterns, don't they? But inside of those papery lanterns are a delicious berry or cherry. So we've got Cape gooseberries and we've got ground cherries here, a type called Aunt, Aunt Molly's. Uh, these are delicious, delicious soft fruits, ideal for desserts or also for processing because the flavours are really strong and they're very, very, very sweet. For us, on two sides, we're sort of interested in these crops. One is the agronomy and the sort of growing side and the other is the flavour profile and actually it's it's a very interesting sort of fruit crop at the end. On the agronomy side, Tess and I have been overjoyed with them this year. They've, They've grown really well against a difficult year with two heat waves and they sort of they've been left to it really they've grown really well produced a very very heavy crop in year one really pleased on on this no dig system and yeah and then now it's sort of stage two what 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 do we do with them how do you make how do you make them into the, the the best they can be well gosh that how exciting and i have to say i particularly pounce upon your phrase flavor profile I feel I need to experience the flavour profile of Aunt Molly's ground cherry. Would you, uh, would you pluck one out for me? Absolutely. So Oliver is um, sort of peeling off the papery outside of the lantern to reveal a very, very beautiful sort of soft orange little, well, it's a, like a little cherry. And I'm now going to... I hope you enjoyed that bite, listeners. Oh, that is... It sort of really brings out... Start sort of tomato and sort of develops into strawberry almost. I don't know. uh, What are your thoughts, Oliver? I I think same as you. It's very difficult to pin down exactly what what the flavour is and it does sort of uh, develop in the palate as you continue eating it. I think one of the nicest things to me is simply how juicy it is. Yeah. It's so it's so juicy, it's so fresh, and it's and it, and it keeps well as well. So these these will last a good week or two, which I think sort of lends itself to good shelf life, but products as well, so yeah. chutneys and jams and things like that. But no, it's it's very very difficult to pin down exactly what it tastes like, doesn't it? But actually, a, a lot of people have said it's quite tomatoey to begin with, yeah. and then into the sweeter sort of softer fruits. So yeah, it's it, it's an exciting, weird, and wonderful crop. Beautiful. And Tess, now you've got something that looks almost like a cross between a tomato and a Cape gooseberry there. What, what have you got there? That is pretty much exactly what we have. So we've got tomatillos here. They're native to the Andean areas. I've never actually grown these outdoors before, normally inside in a polytunnel, but in the Cornish climate they seem to have done incredibly well this year. So like Oliver said, we're kind of just trying to find things that we can do with them. We didn't expect them to grow quite so well and so huge. 
they're normally quite small and like a tomato, small cherry tomato, I guess. These ones are like a golf ball easily. Yeah, amazing. No, and it's a beautiful... When I say they look like a tomato, they look like a green tomato. But they they go from a lovely shade of sort of pale green to deep emerald on the, the shoulders of the fruit. No, they're absolutely gorgeous. But you've also got another thing of beauty here in front of me, which looks like um, some sort of leafy Brighton rock. What have we got here, Tess? Yeah, so we've got some more chard here. Um, but this is actually a variety called peppermint that, like you said, it literally, the stalks look like candy cane. They're pink and white striped and they're just, yeah, beautiful. I've never grown a chard that's quite this pretty before. It's my favourite. And the leaves as well are like almost Cavallo Nero style, like really deep green, um, earthy and ribbed and, yeah, delicious. No, they would sit very well in the herbaceous border, I think, as a, a foliage plant. And I must... Just apologise to listen. Well, not apologise. You're really experiencing the full kind of audio sensation of being in the, the bowels of the kitchen with clanging and banging. I think there was even a barking of a dog, but don't worry, that was a, a visitor's pet rather than uh, an ingredient. Nat, so we've got all these amazing, all this amazing fruit and produce from Gillyflower Farm. What have you been up to? Because I can see in front of us some very interesting and delicious delicious condiments yeah so it's it's like a sweet shop really getting brought these things that i've never seen before especially the tomatillos i've never really cooked with them before so trying to come up with a product is quite exciting really it's it's playing with food which you know as a chef it's so exciting and the tomatillo chutney that we've made it was really important when you see them that we keep the body of the fruit as well because that's what makes it exciting and you want to see the seeds and stuff so it's it's really chunky and it's you know it's not smooth in any way but you get the shapes and the colors and I you know I really wanted to keep that but I have added a bit of chili in there which gives it that sort of sweet and spicy note so I encourage you to try it and uh, (laughs) oh I don't need much encouragement so it is it's quite a light color and you, you can pick out all the lovely green of the tomatillo. And as you say, the seeds, it looks fabulous. A little bit of chilli. So here goes, listeners. Mm-mm. Oh, that is... That is really good. Lovely and sweet. But it, it sort of has a delicious sort of fizzy, fuzzy warmth about it, too. Oh, yeah, now I can... I'm going to be slathering that in my <laughs> cheese sandwich. So that's the tomatillo and chili. And so what's the... the there's a darker-looking um, chutney to the side of it. What's that? So we've trialled making a chutney from the charred stems. So we've taken the leaves off, and obviously they're so beautiful as they are, you want to cook them and sauté them and eat them with stuff. But the, ch- the stems, obviously, not so much used. So we've chopped them down and made a really fine chutney with apples and balsamic and onions and stuff. So it's quite sharp, and it's got a bit of sweet and sour notes to it. But when you get those chunks of chard, you really taste that earthy chard flavour, which is really interesting, I think. Hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going in. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's that earthiness. Oh, gosh, Uh, this might be a bit perverse, but I think I quite fancy that with a bit of curry or something. Just, uh, oh, that is absolutely delicious. Thank you, Nat. So that's the chard. 
using the Tess's beautiful pink stems. Now, the, this is the strangest thing I've seen um, today, and I've seen a lot of weird stuff today, including druids. So, you know, this is really... So we've got, in a lovely little black dish, there's a very fine, light pink powder. What is this now? So part of what, what I've been doing is experimenting with what we can do with the harvest when we get to the end of something. And one of the great things to do is dehydrate stuff. So we've been taking edible flowers and dehydrating them and seeing what we can do. So this is a, a nasturtium sugar. So we've dehydrated nasturtium flowers, ground them down, and then ground them with sugar. And you just get this really intense sort of floral, peppery, sweet sugar that you can just chuck over fruit or strawberries. And it's just really powerful stuff. And just a good way to use stuff that is just going to go out of the window okay right well i'm gonna grab a, a wee lump here excuse me oh yes no it is it's a sort of it's very it's got a weird fruitiness from which i didn't expect from the nasturtium but also that slight slight pepperiness as well oh that is fantastic gosh you have you have been busy and of course you've got some of your lost suppers coming up. Um, uh, might we see any of these um, involved in that? Yeah, I think we've got to the point where the lost suppers are now sort of 100% produced from Heligan and supplemented by Gillyflower as well, which is really exciting. And I think the chutney will definitely appear on the next one at the end of September and probably October as well. But a lot of the work now is to preserve and get ahead ready for next year when we sort of run out of produce to carry on, carry that going. And it's just so much fun. No, well, it is. The, that's what it's all about. You know, it's the autumn equinox today, but it is about that change of season and pace. And, you know, the fact that you're working so hard on the preserves is just so, it's such a wonderfully traditional kind of a, a, approach. Do you that? I mean, are we going to get any weirder than nasturtium sugar or there's always something random i think we, we've made what potato ice cream hay ice cream um so we're just trying to throw things out there and some things don't work which is fine but some things really do work um we've got lamb ham again which is really exciting and yeah just yeah lamb yeah just playing around and it's just such a great product to play with brilliant and at gilly flower farm the what is the autumn equinox going to bring um in terms of a change of pace for you guys it, well that is very much the case it's a big change of pace towards a lot of what we're doing today which is getting all of our beautiful fresh harvest and uh, deciding on what what one weird and wonderful things we can do to to preserve those similarly though we've got a change of pace in the andean segments where some of the um andean tuber crops so the ochre the mashua they now will start to produce tubers. So it's today, really, we've, um, we've, we've let them know it's the equinox and they'll start to <laughs> swell up. And hopefully in the, over, the, over the coming months, we'll be able to provide to Nat some, uh, some wonderful Andean tuber crops. So this is really the kickstart for them as well. Brilliant. Well, I look forward to that. And Tess, have you got any special seasonal activities going on in the potager? Yeah, so we've still got quite a few crops that are going. We've got beans that we've actually grown for seed, so they're just beginning to dry out, and then we can pod them, maybe give some of them to Nat. We've got quite a big crop there going. Um, and then we'll be busy kind of mulching, getting ready for next year, so it doesn't stop. It might slow down a little bit, but, yeah, we'll be keeping busy, keeping warm, mulching away. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, thank you all. And, um, and for heaven's sake, next time you come, make sure I'm here because I need to try all these things. So thank you all very much and see you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. So Valentine's today, our wildflower field looks very different to how it did in August. Most of it's been harvested. But the over, that symbol of regrowth, regeneration and natural change remains. But now it is a little bit brown, a little bit crispy. There's still flecks of blue from the cornflowers bobbing about in the autumnal breeze. And I am here with Lindsay and John, who I will ask to introduce themselves and say a little bit about what they do. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, my name is Lindsay and I work for the Sensory Trust. We are a national charity based here in Cornwall and we help people to get outdoors and have a good experience when they're there. So regardless of age, disability, social background, so everyone can get outside and have a good time. Wonderful. Hello, John. Who are you and what do you do? Good afternoon, Alistair. My name is John Marchant. I work with Jamie Reed, the artist who's responsible for the conception of this project. I've been working with Jamie for about 25 years, and um, I'm here on his behalf, really, as his mobility isn't so good. He lives in Liverpool. Um, so I'm here again as um, we go through the year of different events around this project. I'm here to represent Jamie, really, and... Uh, report back as it were very good so Lindsay today is the autumn equinox and I just wonder what has been happening today could you explain a little bit about what that is and why it might be important well one of the principal interests in the whole project is to try and reignite some kind of latent understanding of the celestial calendar sounds a bit highfalutin that but essentially as we as we know we have four principal dates in the year being the autumn and spring equinoxes in the summer and winter solstices and today is the autumn equinox so in terms of the the kind of mechanics of it as it were this is a point where the planet there's two times in the year being the two equinoxes where the planet is closest to the sun which is where we are today uh, even though it feels a little cooler, we're still physically closer to the sun. And night and day are basically balanced on a day on uh, this day. And the sun is actually passing over the equator. It's directly over the equator. Now, there's a fairly specific physical pointers of the time, but it's also an important just time of the year. It's the first day of autumn, and it's harvest time. You know, and we've been harvesting this field and taking seeds from this field, and we're beginning to spread those seeds out into important places for the project. And um, it's it's just an important marker for the year, so we kind of get a kind of deeper understanding of the cycle of the year. And this is an important part. Yeah, exactly. This is an important part of the project. Is that we have this feeling of the turning of the wheel, yeah. and that's that's principally why we're here today. Marvelous. And Lindsay. The Century Trust has joined us today and 
What have you been up to? Well, as always, we've had a wonderful day here at Heligan. We invited some students from Penn Clinic, which is a special school from Truro, and they came over and have taken part in some activities with us, primarily looking at seeds. It's interesting when we look across the field today, uh, you mentioned it's a bit sort of brown and crispy and dry, and I think often people see this very much as everything's dead and it's the end of everything, but actually... Like John was saying, with the wheel continuously turning, it's very much the beginning. The seeds are the beginning of life for the plants. So to have a deeper look at those and a deeper understanding of those to help us, you know, continue through the year. So we have been looking at seeds under microscopes, getting to know their shapes. There are just amazing when you look at them in in great detail the the diversity of the shapes uh, of the different seeds and why they're different uh, shapes and to try and understand those and how they grow into into different plants Uh, so we've been uh, sieving some seeds with the National Wildflower Centre who have been here today as well we've been making some seed bombs as I say we've been looking at seeds under microscopes and just getting a deeper understanding being able to collect up some of the seed heads and actually sort of break them down um, in our hands to see you know where the seeds are following the flowers I think people think of the flowers as the sort of very um, exciting um, you know especially visually part of, of the plant's life cycle but actually this is equally as exciting and the beginning of things to come and those seeds will be taken away and some will be planted at the school so they can have their own wildflowers next year. So, yeah. Wonderful well that's great to hear and um, it's been I have to say it's been just wonderful seeing the guys enjoying the field and getting out and about in it and um, it's been a real pleasure to have you both here so look forward to the next time it's about five o'clock in the afternoon now and I've come to the paddocks and there seem to be some rather large new arrivals and I'm with Anna uh, who will introduce herself and maybe explain a bit about what's going on Anna What are these beasts? Well, this weekend is very exciting. It's the grand finale of our Rare Breeds Month that's been going on all the way through September. And this weekend is our Working Horse Weekend. So we have, I think it's about 13 visiting horses, all in partnership with the Cornish Heavy Horse Society. We've got a gorgeous array, stunning array of shire horses we've got some suffolks we've got actually three generations of suffolk punch horses in visiting wow. us which is rather special that is and this weekend also will be not a debut but one of the first times that our shire horse courage has will be uh, seen doing his thing really he has got a logging demonstration both afternoons which will be in partnership with jackson the working shire jackson belongs to keith and carolyn tricky and they've been helping us all along with courage's training and honestly we we wouldn't be able to do it without them they yeah they're always on hand with very patient hints and tips teaching me how to long rein which I hadn't really done before I started in my role here really really excited that Courage and Jackson can be out together absolutely and as you say they're always on hand aren't they and here they are Keith and Carolyn lovely to to see you nice to be here Uh, now what are you planning for the weekend activity wise well, we've got Jackson, our shire horse, here. He's going to be doing quite a few things. I think first thing in the morning, the farrier is coming and he's going to have a new set of shoes put on. Yes, so he'll be ready for, for his working later on. In the afternoon, he will be working with Courage, doing a logging demonstration. 
and then later on he we brought a cart with us and he'll be sort of going for a drive round in the cart how fa- how that sounds fantastic and i have to ask how has our dear shire horse courage been in terms of schooling because you have been the headmaster and headmistress of the courage school of uh, of of logging how's he got on Oh, he's been brilliant, um, really good, yes. He's, he's, you know, he l- enjoys it, I think. He likes to learn. I think the, the problem is that you know, we can't get here often enough. I mean, <laughs> if we could be here sort of daily, we, we could be able to really you know, enjoy and do a lot more with him. But uh, we come you know, from time to time. But, and he, he's really good, yes. He's a very patient horse, and he's, you know, he's very sensible, and he does enjoy. He, li- he likes to learn. And he's really come on in the last year, I'd say, so under Louis and, and Anna's guidance, you know, he, he really has sort of bonded, I think, especially with Louis and again now with Anna. Um, you know, he's, he's turning out to be a really lovely horse. Well, I was, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask who's the most difficult person to train, whether it's Courage, Louis or Anna, but I do wonder how, how do Courage and your own Jackson, how do they get on? Well, they're absolutely fine. I mean, they haven't seen each other that much, but um, when we were here last year for the Working Horse Weekend, they were working side by side then, and you know, they they sort of looked at each other, didn't get too excited. <laughs> and I think the aim is what we would really like to do is to work them as a pair. Um, you know, we work them individually side by side at the moment, but um, some stage, yes, we'll harness them up together and get them to pull logs as a pair. That would be fantastic. And the, could you tell us a little bit about the cart, Carolyn? Yes, it's a fairly basic uh, sort of training buggy, really, would you say? And it's sort of all terrain, so we can go on sort of fairly boggy sort of ground as well as sort of on the road. So, And it's also got the ability to have the ball hitch on the back where we could hook on um, other bits of equipment, sort of like anything that you can tow behind a quad we can tow behind that as well. Fantastic. Well, I think it's going to be a wonderful weekend and so lovely to see you here as always, Keith and Carolyn. Lovely to see you. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Cheerio. Thank you. I am now just at the top of what we refer to as the Dog Kennel Orchard, which was planted probably about 15 or 20 years ago, a got its name from the dog kennels the old kennels for the house that sit just above park and land near the hide and i have come across one of the productive team busying himself with a rather suspicious looking old compost sack full of something martin because it is you martin what have you got in that sack i've got some lovely dufflin apples Dufflin apples, as you well know, my favourite for a very special reason. What do you tell tell everyone what you're going to be doing with these apples? Well, tomorrow morning, hopefully, we'll be uh, pressing the apples to make a lovely single variety of Dufflin. Dufflin cider, the very best. Do you want to pluck an apple from the bag? We'll just have a. They're rather lovely looking, actually. They're large. They're probably slightly. They're about a cricket ball and a half, I'd say. And their skin is a very delicate pink, um, which fades away to a yellowish green. And they're quite light, 
But I can tell you, listeners, they make an absolutely delicious, slightly sweet, sparkling, naturally sparkling cider that Martin and his cider gang bottle as a single variety, which we enjoyed very much at the staff party, did we not, Martin? Oh, yes. <laughs> Excellent. What other, got any other single varieties planned? Oh, um, I think we're going to have a single variety of the uh, Pendragon, because that's a lovely red cider. It's red, cider. but bitter. Bitter, <laughs> yes, we're going to mix that with another uh, variety. And uh, we've got a lovely load of... We've got, got the Perry, haven't we? We have got the Perry. We've got the Swan's Egg Perry, which we've got 25 litres of juice. So we're going to make a lovely, a lovely batch of that. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait for next year, but I've, I think... We will talk more about cider maybe in another podcast to come. But brilliant. You get on your way with that lovely Dufflin and make sure the head of gardens and estate gets plenty of bottles. (laughs) Cheerio. Thank you so much for joining me, Alistair Moore, on today's episode of the Heligan podcast, Beauty in All Things. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. For more information, visit our website, heligan.com, and I look forward to chatting with you again next time.